0: Episode 13, Freebies.
1: Welcome to Radio War Stories. In every episode, hosts Dave Jagger and Don Nelson reach into their arsenal of decades of radio experience to entertain you with their most amusing, enthralling, and interesting stories.
0: Suit up and get ready for today's episode. I really miss Freebies. Don't you, Don? I haven't had a Freebie in so long. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, <laughs> I we had so many awesome trade-outs through the years in radio. Oh, did you do trade-outs? How did that work? Uh, yeah. The you're man. the king of trade outs You tell <laughs> us. We've talked about trade-outs in previous uh Episodes, but I want you to describe just exactly how a trade out works for the listener. Well, in the um, back in the seventies, one of the big trade out
1: uh, providers uh, would have been uh, the William B. Tanner Company, and they came up with a killer idea. Uh, they traded out American Express cards, and virtually every GM in a decent market in America at some point probably carried this. William B. Tanner American Express card in their pocket. Now you're talking about a regular charge card here, right? Yeah, it's a real American Express card. real American Express card. card. And you walk into the restaurant of your choice and you um, have a great meal and you throw the card down and nothing ever comes back. Okay, you never see the bill, it just goes Unbelievable. away. Unbelievable! And uh, they made their money by by setting up ratios so they would uh, work a trade deal with you where they would give you $1,000 worth of American Express charges in return for you giving them, say, $2,500 worth of airtime. <laughs>
0: and that was a huge thing at that point. Always, We always wondered about the William B. Tanner Company and just who exactly was behind it the force that was behind William B Tanner well it was amazing because uh, they
1: certainly had the wherewithal to uh, to sit on uh, uh, large amounts of trade uh, inventory and then all of a sudden they'd come in and you know with a client and
0: uh, would be a regular client they'd put them on the air and we'd run their spots for them so that's the easiest explanation for a trade. It really, truly is. It's just, it's a quid pro quo, actually. Yeah. You give me something, I give you something. That's really right. basically all it is. Uh, if you're uh, into quid pro quos, like so many people can be these days, doesn't happen so often. Uh, the last I really saw of it was, I heard of American Express gift cards being sent to a lot of music directors uh, in our station, but they were pretty on the uh, straight and narrow and would turn them over to the general manager and say, look, you know, record company sent me these. I don't want to partake. I would partake. S-
1: submit that probably the, those kind of trades went away uh, one day when somebody at the IRS woke up and figured it out. Yeah. yeah and yeah. all of a sudden it happened. But back in the days when we all carried them, we went to uh, a corporate dinner in DC at, uh, at an NAB function there and all of the GMs and their wives from mid-America uh, had dinner at this great restaurant, the name of which escapes me. I just remember it was downstairs in D.C. back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And the check came, and uh, our, our leader whipped out his American Express card. <laughs> and the maitre d' said, I'm sorry, sir, but we don't take credit cards. We only <gasps> take cash. Now, here are these GMs all sitting here with all of our American Express cards, but none of us have any money. And we've got this big Wyman bill coming up. Put it on my room. So so we go around the table assessing how much you got, you know, and and we're putting the money down. Ah. Um, uh, one of the uh, one of the Mid America managers, Ed Wadka, who later came here to uh, to Dallas uh, and had a very successful career uh, in Dallas, uh, Ed was managing KIOA in Des Moines at the time. Uh, he and his wife Pat came in after the dinner. They just stopped by for a cup of coffee, and but he had money, so the two cups of coffee cost him four hundred dollars. <laughs>
0: Oh boy! Welcome. We're so glad you're here, you. <laughs> <laughs> we're stuck here until we can find some money.
1: But I mean, literally, there were cars traded out constantly, and uh, yeah, that was
0: that was a very uh, easy thing to do. Well, that's expensive, though. I mean, that's a lot of money, especially well, if, these days.
1: Yeah, but if you're in a if you're in a market uh, with you know uh, decent numbers and yeah. and decent rates, you can do that. Uh, so that was was a very common thing to yeah. uh, to have traded automobiles. And, and uh, as a matter of fact, we'll talk about uh, my days in San Diego uh, at some point uh, as we go down here. Yeah. But uh, I was able to. Um, to convince uh, a, a super talent uh, to come to work for us um, and uh, he uh, all he had to do was trade out a Ferrari for himself
0: <laughs> wait was, a minute for himself
1: yeah it was a lease it was a
0: lease deal oh thank goodness
1: yeah right. I mean <laughs> no we didn't do the whole $400,000 wow. worth. But.
0: now Don just told me something before we started uh, this episode and we were actually at Disney at the same time. Yeah. At one point, uh, because the best trade-out people in the world, at least in America, was Disney for a long time. Oh yeah, they did a fabulous Disney. job. First class. Oh, everything was first class with Disney. They bought your airline tickets for however many people needed to come from the radio station. I remember going one year. Rick D's. Was there. I think that was the 20th. I'm uh-huh. pretty sure it was the 20th uh, anniversary of Disney. And that's when we were there together right. because right. I was
1: in New York and, and brought Jim Kerr and Shelley Sunstein and our morning show from
0: WYNY down there. I remember walking by their table and going, Ooh, Jim Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we had. There were tables set up everywhere right. for all the radio yeah. stations mm-hmm. uh, to broadcast from. Disney took care of all the electronics for it. I mean, you brought your own equipment. But Rick Dees came with his own console. Rick Dees was the only person at Disney that they would let broadcast with his own equipment. Oh! Instead of if you were going to do a week there and it wasn't a special thing like we were at, Mm -hmm. uh, Rick would bring his own console because he didn't like... Uh, slide faders. He wanted the old rotary pumps. Oh, well, I'm disappointed. I would have thought he would have brought his own transmitter while <laughs> he, he was He Probably it. would have it. He could have. Uh, but Disney did it upright. And every day you'd go back to your hotel room, and there'd be something nice from Disney in your room after the maid but, but had come. But you know, up.
1: even better was the fact that every restaurant and bar in the
0: in the park was free. Free.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, that was it. You oh man, yeah. you
0: attacked the you attacked the show world show world world showcase back uh, behind Epcot there. Yep, all of those restaurants you just walk in. You had to have a reservation still, but you could go in and eat for free. Yeah oh man disney did it up nice and then they stopped all of that stuff because it obviously got expensive. i was
1: just wondering if maybe we could call them up and say hey we got this <laughs> radio station here and uh, nah, i guess not Those they were
0: they were so nice about that the easiest nicest trade thing i think i had that i d- never thought about it day to day was a movie pass lokes theaters in Grand rapids mm-hmm who was the big owner of the majority of the theaters in town, uh, in Michigan, really, and they gave us year-long passes. Both Jerry and I got one, but each one of ours was for two people, so we could take our daughters if we wanted to go see a movie. And every year... Because we had Ron on with us, Ron Van Timmeren, who was their uh, their marketing guy, uh, we had him on every Friday morning to talk about the new movies. Even after we got off the air, we continued doing that in our podcast. Is that what we would call quid pro quo? Quid uh, pro quo. Got That's it. Exactly right. what that <laughs> was. Yeah, because they didn't really advertise, but they gave everybody, even our general manager, one of those uh, two year passes yeah. or one year passes for two people. So that was a nice thing. But Disney. Movie movies, nights out, trips, all those kinds of great things were all focused on, let's make the radio stations happy so they'll talk about us a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And you know, not a trade deal, but while we were talking about this, the thought crossed my mind about how times have changed so much over the years. Uh, Again, back in the 70s, my oldest son uh, found a car he wanted to buy. Okay. And I was out of town. I don't know where I was, but I was somewhere, and he says, Dad, got this car, it's terrific, got to get the money now, da-da-da-da-da. So I just called the branch manager at Indiana National Bank, and I said, Charlie, uh, my son uh, wants to buy a car, and it's X amount of dollars. And, and he says, not a problem, Don, have him stop by, and I'll have the check for him. And when you're back in
0: town, stop by and sign the paper. Can you wow! Imagine, can you
1: imagine that today?
0: Right? Now, no, I can't imagine that today. That reminds me of last week's story when you're talking about uh, the guy that owned El Paso right. on yeah. the Arbitron uh, yeah. advisory account, Jim, Jim Phillips. Jim Phillips, right. that's yeah. the guy. Right. Uh, that kind of sounds like the same kind of deal. Hey, yeah, absolutely. When you get back, whenever, you stop
1: by, yeah. sign the papers. Yep. That's cool. That's yeah. it. Of course, what we didn't talk about last week with Jimmy Phillips was, uh, in addition to owning the radio station, he ended up owning the main bank
0: in town. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even have to call with (laughs) that. He was the bank. He (laughs) was the bank. Uh, One of the other favorite uh, hotel trades we went to, and this just kind of fell into our laps. Uh, we were, once again, most of these, for me personally, came around uh, spring break mm-hmm. uh, sure. uh, in Michigan. Right. And we we always had 10 days or so around there for uh, for a nice break from the cold weather. And it was uh, Grand Cayman Island. We went to mm-hmm. Grand Cayman several times. But uh, the second time we went, I picked up the phone, and I was going to make the reservation. And I called them directly, because back then there was no Internet. Uh, not like we have today, certainly. And I said, hey, you know, I, I was down there before. My wife and I worked for a radio station here in Michigan. We talk about you guys all the time. We just loved the first time we stayed down there. Uh, I want to make a reservation for these days. And so the person on the phone said, fine, we'll be happy to do that for you. And uh, got my name, took all the information, credit card, all that stuff to hold a room. And we get down there, and they had not only given us a break on the rate but we got to the room and man there was all this food just on the table in the room i mean they'd given us a nice big room they knew we were bringing our kids uh fruit and champagne and you know soft drinks for the kids i didn't ask for any of this stuff but i just mentioned that one time that i was on the air and we talked about them on the air boy they couldn 't be they couldn 't have been nicer well, of course, so, great yeah uh, i 'm sure that we both have a lot of
1: trade stories uh trade deals that we could talk about, but i 'm not sure what the statute of limitations is, <laughs> so <laughs> let let 's get off on something different,
0: okay, <laughs> well, the nice thing about it was most of them were legit, most of them were up there where they needed to be as far as not getting in trouble I I never wanted to do anything that was illegal like that and uh, immoral or fattening either Right? well immoral I don't know but (laughs) so the other thing that we were talking about as well and and things that we used to do a deal on the air Don called brush with fame uh-huh a lot of radio stations did this one, and it was uh have your listeners call in tell you, oh, I was at uh, this particular restaurant, and so-and-so walked in, and they were very nice when I went over to ask for a selfie or get an autograph or something like that, and they were very nice to us. That's very good, you know. Joe it, there's some sports figure or musician or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, my problem with that was that most... And you said you never ran into anybody that was rude. I did, but I wanted to hear your nice stories first before I do Well,
1: them. literally, it's uh, it's the nature of, of the country artist and, and the incredible tie-in between country radio and country artist because they needed each other and they understood it and it worked incredibly well. Uh, uh, I don't know of any other format where disc jockeys all over the country knew the artist by their first names the artist not only knew the disc jockey by their first name but knew their wives and in some Mm -hmm. cases their kids yeah it it was an amazing time
0: that's what I always liked about uh, country artists they've Mm -hmm. always been very down-to-earth recent things on the internet and on Facebook and places after Charlie Daniels died right uh, he was supposedly just one of the nicest people and was one of those artists you're talking about. Right. Would go up to you and remembered your name.
1: The only exception with Charlie was he chewed. Oh, okay? did he? <laughs> yes. And we would sit in a CMA board meeting. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he would have a glass on the table in front of them. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all of us at the table would know what was coming, but we couldn't take our eyes off of it until it happened. But Charlie was a great man. He was a terrific guy to be with. He was a lot of fun. That's
0: what I hear, because all the tributes that I read from people that met him that were country radio jocks always said that he was just so nice. Well, how about your brushes with fame? Mine uh, were wide and varied, like most people in radio. Probably the nicest people I ever met uh, were the ones that you would imagine would be nice. Donny Osmond, for instance. He came to a morning show boot camp one year. Jerry always loved Donny Osmond. She just loved him for whatever reason. And so, when he was there, and after he made his little speech and stuff, and he was he hung around until everybody was completely satisfied with talking to him, signing autographs, or oh, I remember what he was there for. He was being he was going to be the host of a new version of the pyramid show, the ten thousand oh, yeah, twenty thousand right. sure. dollars pyramid yeah, or something right. or some game show, and uh, so he had the home edition with him. And was handing those out and signing those as well jerry of course got one but he stood there and would talk to you about anything and everything he had a collar on when he started doing his speech and he said i apologize for the collar Uh, I was surfing last week and I hit the ground. I hit the water a little too hard and kind of twisted my neck a little bit. But when he, after he got through, he took that collar off. He said, this thing is just bugging me (laughs) and just would stand there and talk to you. just a super nice guy. Some of the biggest people that I consider be candidates for awards and talent or anything else, uh, turned out to be the the biggest jerks. And I didn't think that was... I always considered these people to be confusing to me. Why else would you think you're on the air with us if not to promote what you're doing? Or what you were doing. And to do it nicely. And to do it nicely. (laughs) Uh, And and I hate to say this, but people are going to be surprised. Mickey Dolenz of the Monkees uh, was on the road with Greece. He played the disc jockey in Greece mm-hmm. and uh, came into the studio. You could tell immediately he didn't want to be there. <laughs> uh, fortunately for us, we had heard from our friend Kid Craddock, who was on the air here in Dallas, had had him on the air as well when he was here doing Greece in Dallas. So Kid said, "Oh my gosh, he didn't want to talk about anything about the Monkees. He wouldn't talk about being in the Monkees." Anything You mentioned the word monkeys, he just shut down. So before we opened the mics, Mickey Dolan sat there and I looked at it and said, you know, Mickey, we were talking to one of our friends in radio in Dallas, uh, Kid Craddock, and we told him the story that Kid had told us. And he kind of looked at us both and he went, oh, uh... No, I, I'm, I, you guys want to talk about the monkeys, I, I'm happy to talk about the monkeys. <laughs> I said, well, that's good, very good. We opened up the mics and did the interview, and then he kind of got a little cold, and he said, well, I, you know, instead of doing something like this, being on the road, I'd rather be in Chicago discussing quantum physics with uh, one of my friends at the University of Chicago. Ooh, all right. Speaking of quantum physics, yeah, I went to a Gavin conference in
1: San Francisco... Uh, and the guest speaker uh, that Bill and Janet Gavin had put together for us was Buckminster Fuller and the, the inventor of the geodesic yes, dome and yes. all this. And after about six minutes into his speech, I had no idea what this man was talking about. But I sat there, you know, until it was over. Uh And then, as we're walking out, there are two uh, rock jocks from, you know, someplace. Mm -hmm. uh, And they're saying, Oh, man, wasn't that unbelievable? And I'm thinking, You're out of your mind. You didn't understand
0: a word he said. (laughs) No, Earth, you guys are too drug riddled minds, drug addled minds (laughs) to know what he was talking about. Oh, my gosh. That's uh, just small examples. Barry Manilow, not a very nice man either. Not very nice at all backstage. Uh, we had uh, the, the most fun uh,
1: internally uh, with the, the starstruck thing during the time I spent with Teleprograms in Los Angeles in the late 80s. But it's Uh, Teleprograms. Teleprograms was a broadcast syndication company. Uh, We had the rights to Casey Kasin's American Top 40 Ah. in in Japan and in in the Far East and all of that. By the way, folks, Don owned the rights to that. That was part of the Teleprograms thing. However, However, uh, we had on the back wall of one of the studio doors there, uh, a, a legal pad. And when you came back from lunch, uh, you wrote down who you saw at lunch because we were in the heart of the entertainment district <laughs> at La Cienega and Melrose. Oh, wow. And uh, I had gone to lunch one day with my uh, sales manager from Magic 106, Greg McElroy, whose son became the super quarterback for uh, uh, for those folks to the yeah. east of us here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Greg and I are sitting at lunch at the Ivy uh, in in uh, West Hollywood, and I stopped him and I said, "You know, Greg, turn around slowly, but because there is a woman sitting behind you, who is absolutely the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life. She is flawless." And, of course, I'm one of these people who can never recognize anybody. Greg turns around, he looks, and he comes back, and he says, of
0: course she's flawless. It's Priscilla Presley. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those things are always so much fun to talk about. And everybody in radio had them, uh, and, and folks had them, not that we were any special but that's why we did that brush with fame thing on the air. it was always a lot of fun to to find out who your listeners ran into and whether or not they treated them nicely or Mm -hmm. even would speak to them some people would say i don't i don't want to be bothered leave me alone that kind of thing you know and if somebody's having dinner i never would interrupt somebody if they were having dinner and there was somebody i wanted to just say hi to uh heck even in our current jobs at the fruit stand i've met Bob Lilly, the Mr. Cowboy from the Dallas Cowboys. Sure, fine. We've had incidents with other previous cowboy <laughs> members that I will not name here because I don't want him knocking on my door. <laughs> Regardless, uh, we hope you uh, enjoyed a little bit of that. We could go on for an hour. I know I could about all those great things, but uh, we're thankful certainly for all of those great trips and all of that quid pro quo stuff that we got through the years. And I'm even
1: more thankful that you learned how to say it.
0: Yes, quid pro quo.
1: You have it. Very hard to say.
0: (laughs) Hey, Dave, thanks for the invitation. It's great to
1: see you, man. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to Radio War Stories. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like us on Facebook at Radio War Stories and call in with your questions or comments here or on Skype. Skype at RadioWarStories.com. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next week.